Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's Ruined. Oh, hello. Welcome to oh, Ruined. Hello. I'm Hallie. How are you doing? I'm Allison. This is a, um, a podcast <laughs> where we ruin a horror movie. Allegedly. Um, just for you. I'm glad you're having a good time, Allison. I'm glad you're laughing. I am. I, I, I don't know. This is, you're, already, you, you're wearing a great fleece. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like this is my, my hair just gets bigger the more um, distressed I am. Like, um, yes. What's that dinosaur from Jurassic Park with the frill? Oh, yeah. The one that kills Newman. Yeah. It's like, and then it spits like ink. Yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where <laughs> yeah. I'm at right now. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I am. Um, I have a question for you. Good. Wait on me. I'm getting, I know, we talk about TikTok a lot. I'm getting a lot of, and I don't know how it happened, Antarctica content. I love that. That's And it's great. making me want to go. <laughs> I mean, it is one of those things. Would you ever go I, to Antarctica? See, this is what a humorless um, dyke I'm becoming. I'm like, I just don't think it's good for the environment, Alice. And I don't think we should be doing that kind of tourism. Also, I'm right? never going to go. Okay, like, good. I'm never actually going to go. But in theory, I mean, yes. No, of course we shouldn't be going. In a totally theoretical reality, yes, Yes. that would be fabulous. Yes, I'm talking theoretical because, like, if I'm, I'm not, I'm not going all the way to that end of the earth to be cold. Like, it's not going to, I'm not going to spend all the money. If Mm -hmm. I'm going to spend all that money, I'm going to be in a a luxury beach vacation. You're going to have fun. You're going to be able to relax. You You can't, Antarctica does not seem like the kind of place where you can relax. Uh, If you've been there, let us know. No, I think you have to be, like, vigilant Mm -hmm. at all times about everything that is around you. But I think it started because I saw some video about the Drake Passage, which is like the roughest seas on the planet, which is the space between, it's where like the Atlantic and the Pacific connect in the space between South America and Antarctica. And I'm like, well, I want to know more about that. I went on a little deep dive. I mean, it's mostly, it's just like, it's rough because you have like different currents combining and then like apparently the sea floor is very uneven, and so that affects. So it's like huge waves. And okay, I gotta say, it's just like interesting stuff to follow along. And I'm like, oh, I'm finally free of some of the like more uh, horrific corners of TikTok Absolutely. that I was being driven to. You know, I know um, you said that you had seen um, I, uh, animal chiropractors. I want to say, oh yeah, 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 What's yeah. Up with I that? Why, why would a why would a, a dog need to be realigned? You know, what, I, I what don't are they think getting you need up to, to like. Like, a cat doesn't have, like, a crick in its neck that needs to be, like, it, like, and also the videos, like, it just looks like it's a guy trying to rip a cat in half. Like, it's Oh, my God. And, like, the animals all do seem fine. Like, they don't seem like they are in pain. But it's, like, also, the animals don't know, like, when humans go to the, 
I already hate the chiropractor. Well, I am I am anti chiropractory. Well, but I was like, gonna that's say just... like I associate that with like occasionally somebody goes to a chiropractor and like an a fem- like an artery gets severed in their neck and they get paralyzed. Like right, it's I, like no these people... chiropractors. I'm saying like that kind of stuff does seem like it happens. They're not doctors. What and are I think we that's doing? Important. What are we doing? And like also like I'm someone whose back surgery whose back problems are so severe oh and surgical God. in nature that I'm just like, that's garbage. That's snake oil. I understand yeah. that lots of people go to them. If you go and it helps you, you know, by all means, live your life. Right. But like, if you're a person and you go, you've opted in, you know what it yes. is. You've you've paid at the front desk. You go back, you know, this guy is going to just like jam his elbow into your spine mm-hmm. and maybe help. Animals don't know that that's they what's don't happening. Know. They think they they're getting pet. I, they think they're getting pet. And then all of a sudden somebody just like, jams their elbow into their shoulder or something. And they're just, I, they must be so scared. I'm going to say something very um, controversial. And it, listen, if you're listening and you have to come for me, I understand it. That is how I fundamentally feel about um, people who t- go to extreme measures to um, treat their their pets for fatal disease, uh, near terminal diseases. Like, yes, yes, yes. I Look, yes, you, you, your dog have allergies, you give them a shot. You know, your dog totally. your, Medication. Your cat has diabetes, sure. Once Needs a surgery are, that's just a simple fix. Sure. Absolutely. Once you are chemo, putting them through on. chemo, they don't know what's going on. And, you know, to be fair, I grew up in a rural area, so I do feel like I have a different relationship. And, you know, we had horses. Like, I feel like I have a different relationship to animals spiritually. I, I love them, obviously. But I do think that they are not people and they cannot, like, that's for us. You know what I mean? So I, I right. have a, a lot of strong feelings yeah. about not making animals suffer beyond what makes sense for their uh, quality of life, you know? I agree. And I think that includes taking to the chiropractor. Like, what, do they lift too Don't. much without their belt on? Like, why would I, like, how would a cat, yeah. That like, dog isn't stiff from a desk job. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. what are you making your dog do that it needs, <laughs> that it the, needs that's a the real question. That's what you should be fucking asking yourselves What's happening right now. Your okay, house? What's happening? Yep. <laughs> Put your house together before you take your cat to the chiropractor, okay? <laughs> and then put it on TikTok, okay? Listen, so that's what's new with me. No, I that all adds up. <laughs> that all feels right. Liking Antarctica, not liking animal chiropractory. You know, I think that I think that, that there we have it. Um, there, that's what I'm all about. What I about think, you? I, you know, <laughs> I don't. You know, my my um my crack up continues apace. Um, you know, I think we we all go through things to get to the other side, much like the chicken that went across the road. I assuming that chicken course, recently came out as. As gay as just sort of processing things, but overall totally fine. And and as I was Great. saying before we started recording, it's very rainy and cold and fall like in Los Angeles right now. And ooh, it's nice. It's nice. It just feels it's nice. It's nice to have a weather. Summer. It's nice to have a weather. Weather. Nice to have a season. You know, it, yeah. it's putting me in a cozy soup mood, and that's where mm. I'm at. I wanna I wanna burrow. Mm. I wanna nest. I want mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, build a little mm-hmm. um, burrow out of shredded up newspaper. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we talked about how I'm going to get rats. I'm not doing it yet. I'm going to wait till I'm a little leveled out. But boy, howdy that I'm going to get I'm going to get some rats. I swear to God, if you get rats. All right. So uh, let us begin. We are going to continue our ghoulish uh, season's ghoulings. And I think uh, this is a movie I realize having watched it, I have never seen this movie. It is from oh. a seminal time in our nation's history. Are you I'm shocked yes. that you haven't seen this movie? Because like I like I I've obviously never seen this movie, but I'm very aware of this. Like when when this came up as the title, I was like, oh yeah, of course. It's weird we haven't done it yet. It feels like such mm-hmm. a 
moment in horror and especially in our pop culture lives. Absolutely. You know, I'm looking at it. So we are doing The Grudge. Uh, We're doing the remake of the uh, uh, 2002 Japanese horror film, Ju-On, colon, The Grudge. So this is the American remake. And I will say that um, I think it's because we were in college when this came out. And I just oh. was not seeing movies in theaters in the same I way. I really wasn't seeing movies mm-hmm. in theaters when I was yeah. in college. I, like, went through a phase toward the very end when, like, the art house uh, cinema was playing. Like, it was, like, when, like, Hotel Rwanda and, like, a couple of other just, like, big, like, Mm-hmm. serious but smaller release films came out and I was like, ooh, look at me. But like other, like otherwise, I saw Made in Manhattan and then like nothing. Yes. <laughs> I remember going, uh, a guy asked me on a date in college and he was like, I'd love to, s- I probably have talked about this in the podcast because it really stuck with me. Um, he's like, oh, I'd really like f- to take you to go see this movie. I'd really like your opinion on it. And then we went to go see it and it was The Passion of the Christ, which <gasps> is the oh, wait, most this sounds familiar. hyper-violent nearly pornographically violent movie I've ever seen in theaters, to be sure, to the point where the woman in front of us got up and left, and I can't blame her. And the only thing I can say about that is I went to the University of Notre Dame, so this was actually totally of a piece with what somebody would do and uh, that that all how we thought about the world. Um, but yeah, I think this just was in like that, we, like, I think I was just watching um, Sex and City on DVD. You know what I mean? Like, we just yeah. weren't going to the movies at the yeah, time. Yeah, we were doing so DVDs. Yeah, we yeah. were a D- TV DVDs because that was, like, the beginning of, like, you could buy a whole season of a show from HBO. And it was like, okay. Um, and this is directed by Takashi Shimizu. Um, and uh, he is the original director of the Juwan, the Japanese original mm. oh, version. Wow. And, like, the um, the creator of the franchise. And it is also um, a published as was published as a novel the year in two thousand one. So, sort of the originator of oh. the uh, franchise from the beginning, and then got to unlike with the ring, got to then direct the American version, which feels right. That's what you should be. If, if we're going to be remaking yes. it, they should just let you do it. You know what I mean? Absolutely, I am all for that. Right, exactly. Why? Why wouldn't we? We you've already proven to your, yourself right. you did it. And this like, is peak two thousand four remaking a movie from another country and putting a white woman in it. In this case, the white woman oh, yes. is Sarah Michelle Geller, who yes. is great and we all love. But it is sort of like it is set. It is still set in Japan. It is using oh, what feel like Japanese concepts about spirituality and ghosts. Obviously, played up in a horror movie way, but like yes. yes. You know, there are a lot of people in it who are Japanese, and it's like, well, we it's got to involve a white lady. And uh, yeah. we've got to put a white lady front and center. And we also have Clea Duvall, another white lady, uh, Bill Pullman, not a lady, oh. but white. So, you know, we're going to count yeah. him. And, uh, but again, I did really enjoy this. I just can't believe, I think it's like it fit into the same slot as The Ring in my mind. And God, I love yeah. The Ring. The Ring is I so do fucking good. Associate these together. Like, I do think, like, The Grudge, The Ring. Yeah. Um, so let us begin. Allison, what did you think of the trailer of The Grudge? I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. It was like, mm-hmm. at first I was like, what? Because like, I even though I know like the movie, I just know the title. I don't know uh-huh. anything about like what the movie is, obviously. And so like, at first it's just kind of like, oh, it's like spooky stuff. Everybody's like uneasy. And then all of a sudden the first time you see one of those, 
I don't know what it is. Gray kids? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, no, that's exactly what what it is and what he is. Yeah. Once they hit the screen, I was like, I don't know what's happening, but I don't like it. He's a little gray kid. Um, a little gray kid. Um, and of course, we also like to take a baseline scary for mm-hmm. Allison. Allison, how scary do you find the concept of somebody having a grudge? Oh, very. Mm-hmm. I can't tell if some, if I'm someone who holds grudges intensely or not. I don't think of you as, I mean, like, you're definitely people who, when they come up, you're like, oh boy. But like, I feel like I know people who hold a grudge. Yeah. You know what? I know people, I know specific people where I'm like, oh, <laughs> they will never let go of this yes. thing. And I feel like I, like, while I will remember and like talk shit about it, I will also like move on. There is... Do you I, think you hold grudges? I think there's one person that I hold a grudge against, but I don't even really think that. Like, it would be like, if they talk to me one more time and we're nice, I would forget it. It's just that, like, we've yeah. only really interacted once, and the interaction put me off so badly that Ooh. whenever they come up, I'm like, they also, they did something that, like, I, I don't even know if I, it probably would give away who this is, yeah. and I, they work in our industry, but it was just like they did something that was such, like, a social, like, Oh, are you here? I forgot you were even a person. That I'm like, <laughs> and again, like I'm not. We're not that successful yet. It's just that um, so many people that I feel like we meet really are nice Big people, yes. or like um, nice enough in a normal way. You know what I mean? Like, or or if they're weird, you're sort of like a weird and artistic way. And this was like so um, such like a fuck you that I will. Yeah, and I'll tell you who it is afterwards. But it, obviously, I, gonna need and to so, know. So again, but again, is that a grudge? Well, that's the thing is like, I, in my brain, I'm like, oh, there are people who I was friends with, who I am no longer friends with. And Mm -hmm. like, it ended very poorly and I still am like hurt by it. I don't think that that's like, I feel like a grudge is something where like someone does something and like, doesn't even really know that they did something to you and you hold on to it forever. That's what I think of. Interesting. So you think it's the other person doesn't know. Well, not always, but like when I think about like a huge friendship ending fight because like a lot of stuff happened and you're not friends anymore, I don't think that's a grudge. I think that's someone you don't like because like you aren't friends with them anymore. Yeah, I agree. And I also think the use of this ter- the, the term a grudge, this is not a, it's not a grudge in any sort of recognizable way to us. Yeah, I was going to say like what's the gray kid up to that there's a grudge? Was also were like, they like um, kind of flip at a party? Like what? <laughs> I was going to say if if this is what a grudge is, then um they're allowed to have it. You know what I mean? The yes. the okay. the Great. spirits that have been wronged in this film, I think they're allowed to keep a grudge about what all went down in their oh, house. Um and of course before we start, Allison, would you like to guess the twist in 2004 is the grudge? the twist. I mean, the trailer gives very little context. Mm-hmm. It's mostly just like Sarah Michelle Gellar walking around the dark and then like gray kid. So I'm going to say, based on what you just said, mm-hmm. that the spirits that are haunting this house, um, I'm going to say that like this new house, ha- there's a new house and it's built on top of what was an old house and that Everybody there was murdered, and they're still Great. around. And and the reason they were murdered is so this new house could get built. Great, love it, perfect. No notes. All right, let Great. us begin ruining the grudge. We open with you know I love this shit text on the screen. Okay, and what is good about text on the screen is it tells you exactly what's happening. You don't have, you don't have to intuit yeah. what a grudge I love is. It. Here's what it says: When someone dies in the grip of a powerful rage, a curse is born. And my question: oh, the curse. Uh, 
basically the curse replace is finds itself in the place of death. Those who encounter it will be consumed by its fury. So those who encounter the curse, in this okay. case, the grudge, will be consumed by it. What do you think, Allison, would cause you to become so enraged a curse would be born, do you think? Like, what would have to happen for you to to feel, to, to bear that into, into the curse. world? Yeah. I think murder. Okay, murder. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. What about you? I think just almost anything that anyone ever does, really. I, I yeah. just depends on what, what the day's going like, you know? Yeah, I, think, I guess that's true. I think inviting me to Google Meet instead of Zoom, and when you know oh, that it's just... Curse. Curse. The, 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 I don't know what's going on. I don't know about anything about technology. It's just, it's an inferior um, technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting, not asking me if I want food and then you show up with food and everyone's eating oh, food. Oh, that's and rude. I don't, yeah. I mean, that would do it. I, I think so many things would cause me to yeah. create a curse that, that goes beyond the human lifespan. Yeah. Somebody I, I, not moving out of the way when I've asked them if I could get by. Oh, there was a guy who was t- getting up Curse. the subway in LA and this guy's just standing in front of the door no. and I had to say Fuck excuse him. me several times and I was like, I will, if I die, you will see me again and I will kill you due to this. But it, it hasn't, I haven't died yet so I'm going to be pretty busy. Uh, what I'm saying. I have become the person who out loud will say, like, if people are standing at the top of the stairs or blocking a subway door, I'll be like, you can't, that's not a good place to stand. Or like, oh, great choice, standing in the middle. Like, I like, we'll mm-hmm. just say it as I walk by, which I think is dangerous, but I'm doing it. I'm I have, set up. That's, you've lived in New York long enough. You're, you've earned it. Will yeah. you eventually get pushed down the stairs? Yeah, but like, hey, yeah. as a woman, these things are going to happen. They're mostly tourists, so they're right. not that scary. That's sympathetic. That's really, that's empathetic of you. Um, so given, keeping this in mind, we open on a white man named Peter, played by Bill Pullman, standing in a balcony looking over Tokyo, um, and he is miserable. Like his eyes, mm. he's, he's, his eyes are dead. He's staring out and his much younger, beautiful wife, Maria, sits him in bed and says, like, one of those like, oh, hey there, sleepyhead. You know, like, <laughs> hey, everything's great. And then she'll just, cover, just stretching while sitting. Like, ah, you know, like, uh, so, like in movies, like how people have like a nightgown and it's not just like yes. the t-shirt they were wearing that day and they collapse face down into bed. You know, obviously. Yeah. She's like, crazy. Oh, I don't hey. understand pajamas. <laughs> and uh, she wakes up and she looks over at him. Literally, Peter turns to her and looks at her and then turns back and then just bends over and flips over the railing and plummets from their balcony to the street below. Whoa. And, Whoa. Oh, yeah. Tough and, thing to wake up to. Oh, 100%. And, oh, he's, oh my God. And she doesn't even scream. She runs over and all the neighbors are run over, to, but Peter's dead. And you see his broken, bloody corpse on the street below. We then cut to a young Japanese Oof. woman named Yoko biking to a house. She, she, everyone to this home, which will be the center, central home, everyone just opens the door and says, hello, which is an American. I'm like, that must be a cultural thing because. That has to be. If you showed up at my house and just opened the door and said, first of all, you have to get by like several doors and a person who works in my building. The door would be locked. Yes, of course. And calls inside, finds a note that says, went for a walk, signed by Jennifer. She greets an older woman named Emma. And Emma is, um, not she has very little communication. We find out later that she has dementia. So, you know, she just needs help from Yoko, you know, bathing, eating, and getting down for a nap. So Yoko helps Emma into bed and sort of closes these sliding glass doors. So it's a Japanese style house with sliding doors 
for interior doors. And in this case, Emma's bedroom has glass doors. I think just for effect, because the other doors, they don't look like that. But so we see a lot of stuff through sort of a pebbled glass, which is a, a fun artistic decision. I like that. Um, the place is a mess. Like there's like um, chip bags ripped open. Like it's just uh, something has fallen apart. There's like things like have been ripped apart. But Yoko just assumes, okay, they just moved in as we find out soon. Uh, I'll just help pick up. So she's picking up stuff. She's making her way up the stairs or sort of like de- uh, detritus leading up the stairs only to hear a door slide shut on the second floor. So she's thinking, who the fuck is in this house? She goes to the, she goes to the door, opens it, and she hears what sounds like groaning and sliding mm. within the roof. So mm. there's we sort of hear the sliding above her. Yeah, okay. And then dropping with a thud into like a built-in cabinet, again, with sliding doors. So there's like a built-in cabinet See, not I can only, guess who this is. Right. Yeah, I think you know who the likely suspects are. Yoko opens the cabinet and not only looks inside, she climbs up and hears something in the attic. So she slides the ceiling panel aside. Also, it's not her house, right? It's not her house. She's like a care worker for Emma. I'm not fucking going up there. I'm not getting I, paid wait. enough for that. I'm not moving ceiling panels in someone else's home, even if I'm employed there. I'm like, this is mm. your house. This is your problem. She, of course, does the iconic lights a lighter into the darkness of the attic, turns terrified, and finds a gaunt, dark-haired ghost with black circling its eyes and a, a long, dark hair covering its face. We'll, oh. We're going to see this ghost as well uh, throughout I the bet. film. And we see Yoko's feet kicking as she screams and tries to fight her way and is dragged into the attic by Yoko. From there, we catch up with Karen Davis, played by Sarah Michelle Geller, who canoodles. And I'm really into the word canoodling. Someone used Love. it on Twitter, and I'm like, there needs to be more canoodling. People Was it about the Good Morning America? Yes, they were canoodling. <laughs> yes, the Good so Morning much, Affair couple. So much canoodling. If you haven't, if, please, if you guys have I don't know. And I don't even care about this. Like, honestly. Nope. None it's of my just, business. I don't it's care. It's wild. Oh my God. I, it, it, I'm fascinated. I, and I want to be like, people need gossip. People need canoodling. People need canoodling. People need intrigue. And I do feel bad for their rel- their spouses. Oh yeah. Amy Roback and TJ Holmes. And I think what people keep saying, which is true, is like, they have such insane chemistry. So you do feel bad, but when you see them, you're like, you're like, these two belong <laughs> together. And then all the- They belong canoodling. And, and basically the person, so there's like 65 photos that got published. I don't yeah. even know where it was, like Daily Mail or something. And um, no, Always Daily Mail. And apparently that was a, from a PI that was hired. <gasps> and what's pretty, someone tweeted like, imagine you hire a PI to prove that your spouse is cheating. And then everyone on the internet's like, oh, but they've got something. Like, ooh, they got <laughs> Devastating. You know, and, but it's true. And you see these, you do see it. And I think like, I've talked about this with queer uh, romance, but people are so starved for romance and that like, yeah, and it's not. It's not even that it seems illicit. It does. It's almost like that it because it doesn't seem illicit. Yeah. Um, anywho, we meet up with um, uh, Sarah Sarah Michelle Geller. She's Karen. She's canoodling, and she's canoodling with her boyfriend Doug, who attends the University of Tokyo. And they have an. Ex- uh, they're both exchange students. They have a conversation where he says, "I'm so glad you decided to come here with me." And I was like. Does that imply that she just came there during this year to work? Is she also in school? I also do. I need to know what everyone's jobs are all the time and how how they're living. And this feels like not enough information for me. I think that Doug is a student 
maybe a master's student. I don't even know. He's studying architecture, I believe, right? Okay. I Karen ha, is there under, for reasons unknown to me, but she also works at the same care uh, service as um, Yoko, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I didn't know, is that an addition to going to class? Is that, did right. she just, so maybe she was just there to stay with Doug because they do live together. So it's like, maybe they've, maybe they've graduated undergrad. They don't give me enough information and I I mm-hmm. couldn't parse it. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. But they are there together. Um, and they sort of, again, have a sexy moment where he's trying to leave for, it's like, I've got a midterm. And she's like, don't worry, I set all the clocks forward an hour. Or like, we have an hour. Okay. It's like, that's insane, but That's an fun. insane thing to do, and but also kooky. <laughs> yeah, like, it helps build in more canoodling time. They canoodle. So later, as she walks Doug to class at the university, and they stop to watch two Japanese people burning incense in a uh, cemetery in front of a grave, and she said, it's a Buddhist ritual. The smoke carries their prayers up to their loved ones in heaven. And I was okay. like, if I'm an elderly Japanese woman, the last thing I want is for two young American white people to be no. staring at me. Well, I'm performing no. a religious, right? But no, there's a lot of that that this movie. Um, so at Ooh. the university, Karen goes to this. So it's basically like a care center where I didn't know if she was volunteering or if it was a paid position. Mm-hmm. And also I was like, is this a thing? And I was like, well, maybe in Japan they do have something like this where like you can't just you can just get care for your elderly um, loved one. I don't know. Wow, that must be amazing. As America faces what is objectively going to be an elder care crisis. In oh the next my god, five years. I hadn't even thought about the elder care crisis, Allison. That's coming. The boomers are starting oh to need god. somewhere to live. Lord, give me strength. Okay, so uh, her boss, Alex, is played by Ted Ramey, Sam Ramey, uh, uh, who produces and is the director. Um, his brother. Okay. And so Ted Ramey says, oh, I have here, I'm going to send you on your first solo job but uh, because uh, Yoko didn't come in today. So um, I'm not sure, maybe she's sick or something. I'm going to try to catch up with her later. But something. he said, you just need to stop by um, to help this woman, Emma. Um, and Kieran's kind of uh, taken aback because he said she has severe lethargy with mild dementia, which same girl. I mean, who doesn't? And um, also, she's she speaks Japanese, but, like, she doesn't really know the city, so she has to take a map and navigate on her own. And he says, you're going to be fine. This is an English-language household, so it's like an American family. And um, Emma's daughter-in-law, Jennifer, doesn't work, so she should be around. And I was like, this feels like Teach for America, but, like, for feeding hungry ghosts. Like, oh, don't worry. Yoko disappeared, so we're just going to send, like, another young woman to be murdered by ghosts. Right? Then they'll eat you? Okay, We'll just keep sending uh, Mm -hmm. young people until, I guess, we run out? Yeah. And um, so Karen, again, takes her a minute, but she gets to the house. Same house we saw earlier. It will be all the same house the entire film. She, again, opens the door, calls in just like Yoko did. And we see a slam and we see two hands sort of clawing at the bottom of the glass door of Emma's room. She opens them. It's Emma reaching for help. Clearly has been there all day because Yoko uh, disappeared into the attic. Um, Karen gets her dressed, feeds her. But also Emma can't really tell her what happened. So she's asking her like, oh, is Yoko here? Emma And Emma's not communicative. So she puts Emma back down so she could take a nap. And I shouldn't say put her down like she's a child. She yeah. it, she takes her to her, helps her, her to room, take a nap. helps yeah. her take a nap, prepares. Yeah, sorry about that. And starts cleaning up the papers and garbage and sort of like burst chip bags all over. Same fucking thing, Allison. She hears a scratching. She goes to the second floor. She goes to the built-in cabinet, and now we see it is sealed up with packing tape. 
covering the doors, right? Who did that? I don't know. Unfortunately, okay. um, she hears a thud and then a yowling. There's a cat trapped inside the cabinet. Oh, no, so, kitty. So, of course, Karen is going to open it. She rips all the tape off, opens the door, and finds not only a little black cat, oh, but she also finds a journal, and even more shockingly, a little the boy. A cat's journal? Oh. A oh, cat's no. journal. A cat's journal. Went to the chiropractor again. Isn't working. <laughs> Almost had my head ripped off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Waste of money. In addition to the cat and the journal, there's a little boy. He looks, he's covered in scratches. It's very, it's tragic. Karen freaks out, runs downstairs, calls the care center, Alex at the care center, be like, you have to come over here. She says, this little boy refuses to come out of the cabinet. Emma isn't speaking, so I don't know, I have no context. The couple yeah. isn't home and I don't have a number for them. Please just come Jeez, here. This is a mess as an as like somebody who's exactly. just going over. It's like, I have so many loose threads and so little information, like how... Ooh. Yeah, but I understand. And also, it's like you want to stay because there, like there's a child, so right. it's like well, I can't just book it out of here, which would be right. You, you want know. to help out, but it's like this lady's not talking. No one yeah. else is here. I don't know who to call. There's a yeah. cat. Um, so she calls Alex. Says I'll be over there in just a minute. In the meantime, let's take a look here, Karen, at this spooky little book. She opens it. It's clearly a journal. It's like written by a lovelorn woman. Hearts, like a man and a woman, like an illustration, and then a torn half of a photo inside. It's a photo of Bill Pullman. So clearly there's a photo that's been torn in half and it's Bill, we have the Bill Pullman half, right? Okay. She also finds a crumpled up photo of the little boy in the cabinet with his parents, but his mother's face has been cut out of the photo. Okay. When Karen looks up from the phone, the little boy is, and it's like um, a cordless phone. So she has a cordless phone, the receiver in her hand, the little boy is- 2004. Exactly. Oh, I, a time for cordless. Um, she, the little boy is staring at her from the top of the stairs and she introduces herself like, hi, I'm Karen. I'm helping Emma. What's your name? And his name is Toshio. And he tells her. The phone rings in her hand and it's a, a woman named Susan. She doesn't answer it um, because she lets it go to voicemail. It's a woman named Susan trying to get in touch with her brother, Matt. And what we can contextualize from the phone call is Susan and Matt are Emma's kids. Right. And yes. both Susan and Matt work in Tokyo. Okay. What do they do? I don't know. But they have moved everyone there. So like Susan's there, Matt's there. And I guess that makes sense. Like if keep if everyone you could, close together. Exactly. Yeah, like, right. So Emma's their mother. And Susan's like, hey, I haven't heard from you. I just want to check in on mom. How are you guys doing? You know, cl- clearly seems like a more recent move. You know, Susan is nervous, you know. Just says, hey, I haven't heard from you from you, Matt, or Jennifer. Call me back, right? Just then, um, Emma sort of sits up in her room and Karen goes to her and she hears her saying, oh, uh, like over and over and over again, like distressed, mumbling to herself. And Karen sort of comforts her and says, well, who are you talking to? And Emma says, I just want her to leave me alone. And as Karen talks to her, behind her in the far corner of the room, we see as long, dark hair strands start growing across the, the ceiling and down oh, from God. the rafters. Nope. And, and we see sort of Emma gasp. And Karen turns, and it is a being made out of hair looming over oh, them. A hair being? A hair being. And the hair parts revealing two white eyes that then roll forward and reveal nope, nope, eyeballs. Nope. 
nope, 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 nope. I think we're to think Karen is shocked. To me, she had a very mild reaction. Mine would be to immediately vomit. Yeah, I would throw up on the hair being um, and run screaming down the street. And see, I would throw up and then fall backwards through a glass coffee table, shattering everything and knocking myself <laughs> unconscious. I'm just being yes, honest about this. Yes. Allison, we then leap back in time and we see Matt... Jennifer, Emma, and Susan as their real estate agent is showing them the home. So they're moving to Tokyo. They're being shown this home. It's a gorgeous home. Mm -hmm. They take a tour and they realize at a certain point that Emma is missing. Emma's made it up into the second floor, into the room with the cabinet. And they're sort of staring at the attic above the cabinet. Mm -hmm. Again, they hear sort of creeping and groaning, but they assume it's the wind. It's an older house. Meanwhile, they, they're helping Emma down from the second story. The real estate agent hears a splashing on the first floor, goes to find the bathtub full of black water. He's like, oh, great. Oh. It's a fucking plumbing problem. So he's just going to drain it and kind of like not mention yeah, it. Yeah, you know how people. water lo- that looks like it came from hell is a plumbing <laughs> problem? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's definitely not a ghost problem. Um, one of those bath bombs is just like a human skull. <laughs> um, he reaches in um, to pull out the stopper and he's grabbed... His arm is grabbed by the hand of uh, Toshi, the little boy, who sobs before disappearing back under the water. The real estate agent sort of rears back, and he's soaking wet now, shocked. And Matt pops his head into the kitchen and says, "Will uh, into the bathroom and says, we'll take it. He's not going to ask about the dark water in the bathtub. And the real huh? estate agent is not going to ask, say, hey, by the way, there seems to be the ghost of a little boy in the bathtub. Nope. That's business, We're all just going to just real keep estate. moving on, close the deal. And I will say, if I was, if I had enough money to buy a home and someone said, hey, just, you know, the ghost of a child is in the one of the bathtubs, great, I'll use the other bathroom, baby. Yeah, we'll just lock That's that door bathtub. and move on. Yeah. yeah. What am I getting a two-bath? Come on. Right, come on. <laughs> I'm um, not giving that up. So the family moves, the family moves in. There's boxes everywhere. Jennifer's exhausted because of the, because Emma's sleep schedule is fucked up because of the move. So Emma sleeps all day and is up all night. So Jennifer mm. has to, is helping her. But it's really unsettled. And Matt says, well, you know, we're going to, let's talk to the caregiver who is going to come from this care service about like sleep suggestions for people with dementia. Like they work with people all the time. They, she might be able to help us. What's her name? Yoko. And Jennifer's like, yeah, that'll be great. But I'll be honest, I'm kind of fucked up about like moving here. I took a walk the other day and I got hopelessly lost. No one spoke English. So I couldn't find my way back. And it was really distressing. And they sort of have this talk like, we're going to give it a go. But if this doesn't work and we're not happy, fuck this. We'll go back to America. Like, we'll figure something out. But we're going to give it, you know, an honest go. And so Jennifer's like, I agree. I'm going to try to build a life for herself. So we see her go to the grocery store and do the single weirdest thing I feel like we've seen in a horror movie. Oh, okay. She's buying, at a grocery store. She's buying, like, one of those big tubs of ramen. Like, that where, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, yeah. not the cup, but, like, the whole thing. And she pokes a hole in it and, like, pops the top to smell it. No. Which I wrote in my notes is sociopath behavior. That is wild. Because I was like, so either you were going to buy it either way and you just had to smell it (laughs) or you were going to put it back. And either way... I don't but agree open. with it. I don't agree with no, it. No, it's not that it, there. It it has a top on it for a reason, and it's uh, when you're buying food, you have to trust the store and you just buy to. it. And like, mm-hmm. look, if you open it and it's bad, you can bring it back. Yeah. Have I ever done that? No, but you can do that. I. But that's on I the just, table. Yeah. Um, fortunately, she liked the smell. She got like three more. Later, she's at home. She makes ramen and has like, a glass of water, and she dozes off on the couch. She wakes up to a splash, and both her ramen and the water are all over the ground. 
Mm-mm. And she turns to Emma, who is sort of like sitting up in bed in the next room. And she's saying like, if you need something, you could just say so. One, she clearly can't. And two, it wasn't her. And we know that because there are footsteps through the water towards the stairs. Mm. So now Jennifer's like, cool. somebody's Love in the wet house. footsteps when I'm alone. Yeah. Jennifer says there's someone in the house and does something again. We wouldn't do, Allison. No. She starts walking up the stairs. Nope. Couldn't be me. After the wet footprints, she finds the little black cat. She climbs the second floor mm-hmm. and she sees Toshio run, running through the room. And so, of course, she's like, there's a fucking kid in here. Of course, she, Allison, she steps into the room with the cabinet. The door swings shut behind her. Mm-hmm. Hours later, Matt gets oh, home. Matt gets home. The place is a mess. So not only is the ramen and the water still on the ground, they, again, like it looks like it's been torn apart. Like, like a kid's yeah. been ransacking it. Everything's yeah. been ripped apart. Again, he's calling his mother's there, but he's calling for Jennifer. Like, are you home? Goes up into the bedroom and he's like, oh, Jennifer. Because you can tell there's like a shape in the bed. He's like, Jennifer, you're here. Literally, she's going. <laughs> like she's making an insane gasping. You wouldn't be like, oh, yes, yes. my wife, who's totally fine in this dark room. Would you hear? <laughs> You'd be like, I have to go call 911 immediately. Whatever the <laughs> fuck is happening? Allison. That sound is so troubling. Thank you. I'm going to try to imitate. There's also a very classic croaking sound in the movie that I'm going to attempt Ooh. in a minute. If you could nail a croak. Oh, I'm going to try. going to be impressed. Um, so Matt turns on the light and she's Jennifer. She's literally eyes open, gasping, paralyzed in bed, unable to move, like shaking, sweating. He runs over to her. Unfortunately, from her side of the bed, Toshio leaps up, mouth full oh of like sort of black liquid. Oh, he's like, I've been drinking the bath. <laughs> right, yeah, I've been, I've been thirsty. Matt falls backwards, knocks the lamp over, and Jennifer sort of rears off the bed and gives one final <laughs> before collapsing. When Is he that looks the croak? I, I'm, no. I'm getting there. I'm warming up okay. to it, I think. Yeah. I just, want, I just want to know what the iconic, when that comes. I'm going to try. I, I mean, like, I think you, you should. Hear it? Okay, I will. Fully support. Oh, oh, no, oh, don't make me sing. Don't make me sing. Don't make me croak. <laughs> um... So when, of course, when Matt looks up, Toshio's looms over him. Well, who's up next in the ghost house? Why? It's, of course, Alex, Ted Raimi mm-hmm. from the care, son- care center. Great. The front door is locked for once because it's at nighttime. So he has to sneak around to the Thank side. God. Luckily, the side door is open. Oh, good. As long as there's one just easy way <laughs> into every home. And he goes and he, he sees Emma in bed and he goes to her and he realizes Emma is dead. And when he kind of falls backwards in shock, he knocks into Karen, who is sitting shivering, catatonic, staring up into the corner of the ceiling where they saw the hair being. Mm-hmm. The detectives arrive yes. and they are talking to Alex. And um, basically they're saying, okay, we're going to have Karen stay at the hospital overnight. She's not responsive. So we need to figure out what, what could we piece together from what's happening. They show him a photo of Matt and Jennifer and ask, when is the last time you saw the couple that lives here? And he said, not since they signed up. Like they're basically the husband's employer arranged Emma's care. And the detectives told him, um, well, Matt didn't turn up for work today. And Alex says, yeah, that's not good. And while you mention it, um, Yoko, the previous caregiver, has been missing since yesterday as well. And I just realized that's her damn bicycle parked outside. <sighs> oh, shit. So the detectives, they're trying to piece together. The, they see that the um, receiver of the phone is missing, right? But they, there is a voicemail saying it's Susan voicemail calling, asking her brother after Emma, being like, hey, I haven't gotten in touch with you guys just give me a call back. And they clock that the cordless receiver is missing. 
fortunately, again, that's what this is when we find out that Susan lives in Tokyo and nearby. I'm like, that's pretty yeah. convenient. Yeah, that really worked out. Um, One thing. And then one of the detectives, Detective Nakagawa, presses a button on the base of the phone and the receiver starts beeping. Of course, the detectives follow the sound upstairs to the room with the cabinet. The ringing is coming from inside the cabinet. They open it. They they see it. And of course, they see, not, in addition to like a big chunk of hair, there is um, an attic above. They, of course, immediately what, crawl into what the hair? attic. Like from... Long, dark hair. Okay. Yeah. The iconic hair. From the, the hair, hair being ostensibly. Yeah, obviously. They crawl to the attic thinking, dear God, is the killer up there? Or what, what has happened? Is the couple, have they been murdered? They find Matt and Jennifer's dead bodies. Jennifer's head is in Matt's lap. Oh, and nice. even worse... Canoodling. Uh, even worse, they turn and on the floor, Allison... There is a human jaw that has clearly been ripped off a living person's skull. Allison, no. tell me. No. What would you do? What would you do? I mean, I'm turning around. I'm running outside. I'm running to the airport and getting on a plane and getting as far away from this as I can. Now, in this case, you are the detectives. So you have to assume their I'll families are here. I'll throw away my entire career. For your that. I, what about your children? You're going to abandon your children? Start a whole new life in a whole new country? I would have to start over if I saw a jaw <laughs> ripped off someone next to another head in the left. Like, yeah. there's just like too much for me. That, that's, Absolutely. That would be, even as a detective, and mm-hmm. I am like, for some reason, I imagine that like Japan does not have the gruesome crimes that America does, even though it's just that they don't have guns. Um, yeah, I think it does help though. I definitely think that I think not, it helps not having the guns helps a lot. Not yeah. having the guns, certainly. But it's like, no matter what I've seen in my detective career, this is it. This is yeah. the limit. This is where things stop. I'm out of here. Yeah, I guess it reminds me of like those horrible stories about those poor people who have to, who are employed by like Facebook and other platforms yeah. to monitor like violence, child Extreme abuse, content. all this stuff. Yeah. It's like, dear God, you know, like yeah. it's like there, I believe the human mind does, can only contain so much of that. So I yes. imagine there is a day where you're like, yeah, I can't was, anymore. I, I yeah. have, we're just not built for it, you know, unfortunately. Yeah, we're not. We not, don't not, need unfortunately, to see. Unfortunately, I just mean. No, right. Unfortunately, that That's, exists. And unfortunately, also, some people are forced to kind of reckon with the God, worst of human yeah. behavior in constant repetition in front of them. And I think if you're a detective, even if you're in a place that has lower crime or no right. guns, like, this is still the last straw. Yeah, for I me. completely agree. Um, <laughs> some people might have a higher tolerance for a rogue jaw. Yeah. It's not me. Yeah, I, I think I respect it. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess. So IKEA makes storage affordable. Just in and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find?
later, Karen wakes up in the hospital to find Doug is waiting for her. He says, I'm sorry, your boss told me what happened. I'm so sorry that old old woman died in her sleep on your during your shift. And she said, is that what they're saying happened? I'm telling you, Doug, there's something in that house. But of course, Doug, like every horror movie partner's like, you're crazy. Yeah, a woman died in nothing. front of you. It's just that. It's, it's nothing more complicated. That's it. Get over it. Um, we also see, this is when we see Susan. So Matt's brother is leaving work. It's late at night saying, hey, um, calling you again. Haven't heard from you or Jennifer. Just let me know. I just want to know how mom's doing. Mm-hmm. So of course, so now she's getting a little, you know, uh, concerned. She hangs up and she has, we, we see her like flip phone has a rabbit's ear uh, hang off of it. Um, puts it in her uh, her purse and goes into the stairwell. And as rabbit's she ear? does, sorry, she has a foot? rabbit's foot attached to her um, flip phone okay. and she puts it in her purse. And as she walks on the hallway to the stairwell, she goes, she hears the croaking, which I'm going to try to approximate, which is, <laughs> hang on. Yeah, I think that's it. Wait, or is it? Uh, yeah, it's more like that. More like a, oh. uh, uh, so, you know, and you've heard it. There we go. Are you going in and out when you do that? Uh, out. Uh, yeah. This so, is what people got to the podcast for. This I guess. Sorry, everyone. talking. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, she ducks in the stairwell and her cell phone rings. And she sees it's her brother, Matt. And she, she picks up. She's like, where the fuck? What, what is going on? Literally, as soon as she, as she picks up, Allison, she hears, the same groaning. Which we realize now is the groaning that we initially heard in the attic, but it's kind of masked by the groaning oh. of an older house. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's the same sound as house croaking. groan and human groan, kind of very becoming similar. one. Oh, they are. Oh, they are one. We, we make them one. And she says, "Matthew, stop it!" As if that was your brother. Also, if your brother calls you and the second you pick up, you hear he might not be able to stop himself. Like he may. Yeah. You just need to go over there and figure out if what help he yeah. needs. It might not be a bit. Yeah, um, something came to mind. Unfortunately, as soon as she hears this, she sees the light bulbs in the uh, floors above her and the stairwell start bursting. So as she looks up, the floors above her one by one are going dark, getting closer and closer to her floor. She looks down the stairwell and she sees a long-haired female ghost crawling on all fours up the stairs towards her. Cool. Susan's no dummy. So she runs up to the next floor and just as she opens the door and runs to the hallway, a ghostly hand grabs her cell phone and yanks it back. But luckily she's able to pull it because the rabbit foot detaches. So she's the, like, I have to text vote for American Idol. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, at the time. At the time. Would that, would that have been, um, was that Kelly Clarkson? I guess I would have yeah. been a little earlier. Uh, a little, little after, but it's probably in the like Carrie Underwood oh. world. Oh, a uh, Clay Aiken even. A Ruben mm-hmm. Suttered, if you will. A Ruben. Um, but luckily she gets free and she runs the security office and the security guard goes, checks. There's obviously nothing there. But while he's checking, she's watching the security video and he walks back being like, nothing there. She sees a shadowy figure slide <gasps> under the hallway door and start no. walking no. towards the camera, like becoming like a sentient humanoid shape. No, nope, nope, nope. nope Susan nope. wisely sprints out of the building and heads back to her apartment. And... um. And I was like, this is why, like, you couldn't even, at the time, couldn't order an Uber, right? So it's like, right. I either have to find a cab on the street or I'm run. running. I have to run from a ghost. Um, she closed her eyes. She, like, of course, like, oh, I'm finally in my elevator and I'm fine. As if that's how ghosts work. 
So she like closed her eyes and leans against the wall. And so she doesn't see as she goes to each floor of her apartment building, Toshio is standing naked on each floor, staring in the door. And then the last two floors, we just see his little head peering in the window of the, of the mm-hmm. elevator at her. Mm-hmm. The ghosts have followed her. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, she makes it to her apartment. The phone rings again, her uh, actual landline with the cordless. It's, and it says, hey, it's Matthew. I'm downstairs. What's your number again? And she says, it's 601. Let me buzz you in. She buzzes them in. The second she does, her doorbell rings. Uh-uh. Too fast. Too fast. Too fast for a man. That's someone who's not living under the laws of physics exactly. the rest of us are forced under. <laughs> um, and so Susan looks through the people, sees her brother, pissed. She throws the door open and steps out of her apartment and finds, of course, no one. But in the landline, she does hear the sound. <laughs> she runs to her bed. She gets under the covers. Good at that together. I mean... I, I think you're doing it better than me. I'm going to be honest. I, I am well, jealous. we ended at the same time, and I thought that was cool. <laughs> yes, I completely agree. She gets under the covers before noticing that in her hand is the rabbit's foot that the ghost stole. She sees a figure crawling up under the covers, like over her. Mm-hmm. She lifts them and looks down, and it's, of course, the long-haired ghost who yanks Susan away. And in a very, like, it wasn't scary, but like in a, there's something really compelling about this, like in a like dream logic way. The ghost like yanks her into the sheets and then they disappear entirely. So the comforter just falls flat onto the bed. Like, like Susan disappeared. To another plane yes. you know. And I was okay. like, wow, it murdered those other people, their bodily, like bodily. And Susan yeah, yeah. just fucking gone. There's something about that that really, it was a treat. It, it, it terrified yeah, me. It chilled me. That is very chilling. Like, I think that yeah. that is like more like troubling mm-hmm. than like just seeing a death. Yeah. Or even seeing it, like, them, like, fly away. Like, it's just, like, disappearing yeah. is... No you know, you. I don't know what would have to... I'd have to get... Well, you know, depending on how our lives come together, this mm-hmm. would be a fun project just to... Because I would love to do all of Twin Peaks. Because this Ooh. one of the scariest horror movies I've ever seen is Fire Walk With Me, which, if you've watched Twin Peaks, you know, is the movie that came out after the first two seasons. And it is because you've watched two seasons of, of TV you're then seeing this movie that sort of like shows you the victim's perspective on the night in question. It's so fucking terrifying because you know so much, but you have to watch the first two seasons for it to, I think really hit you. Okay. And I'm like, damn, I like, I would love to do that, but it would be a months long project Project. to get that done. Um, But there's something about like uh, Twin Peaks uses a lot of that kind of dream logic Mm-hmm. And it, it it is like it's close enough to reality, but uh, uh, like a surreal enough that it, it hits you in such a specific way that I I really yeah. enjoy. So Susan gone, literally, we never hear what happens to her body. Bye bye. Yeah, back in the we hospital, never find out. Never find. I mean, like that's it. She dead, but the uh, everyone else but is dead. Where? And find their fucking bodies. Exactly. I don't know. Susan's gone. Back in the hospital, Karen talks to Detective Nakagawa and tells him about the boy who was trapped in the cabinet and the journal she found. And he's like, oh yeah, um, like we didn't find that boy. So could you tell us a little bit about him? And she says, well, I asked his name. His name is Toshio. And the detective's face immediately changes. He recognizes the name. He shows her a photo of the family that she found in the house with the mother's face cut out. And she said, yep, mm-hmm. that's the boy. That's Toshio. I, I saw that kid. And she said to him, I felt like there was something wrong in the house. Like what happened there? And he kind of dodges the question, but then he tells her, The bodies of the son and daughter-in-law 
of the woman you are caring for are found in the attic. It seems that the son killed his wife and then himself. And Karen, I guess, is like, well, yeah, I guess that would do it. You know, like, I, yeah, I maybe those that are is bad house feeling. vibes. So maybe I freaked out, but she doesn't really, she knows that something else is afoot, of course. Um, and uh, Nakagawa goes to talk to his fellow detective and who tells him, we went to Susan, Susan's apartment. No one could find her either. Stranger still, the apartment door still had the chain on. Nakagawa says, get all the Not security great. tapes from her apartment and her work. I'm just going to go through them. And the other detective says, this was the first family to live in that house since, you know, what happened in the attic three years ago. So here we go. What happened in the attic? <sighs> All that attic stuff. And it's not an easy attic to get up to. So you're not just going up there casually. You're going no. up there to find something bad or to do something bad. Correct. Meanwhile, we catch up with Doug, who apparently has a day job working in a restaurant. Karen goes to say hi and literally says to him, I had to get out of the hospital. I didn't want to be alone. <laughs> Boy, I mean, there's so much there, you know. I Boy. I had to go see you, my boyfriend, so I let myself out of the hospital to come to your work, you know. Um, Karen and Doug yeah. silently ride the bus home, and we Doug sees, like, a couple canoodling and then tries to, like, turn to Karen, like, um, to talk to her about what happened, and she's obviously fucked up. And she he tells her, like, you can talk to me. She admits there was something else in that house. Like, I could tell there was something else there. I think there's a lot of stuff in that house. Suddenly, the long-haired ghost face appears in the window. But when Karen freaks out, of course, it's gone. She tells Doug, I just want to go home. Of course, when she gets home, she tries to take a shower, only to have a human hand emerge from the back of her skull and grab her own hair. When that she... confused me. You know, I think it's just the ghosts are unrelenting at this point. And that they can kind of do what, like, if they can yeah. disappear a person, they oh, can yeah. come from inside of you. They can, like, they've got a lot of Yes. That skills. is, unfortunately, the problem with this type of thing. Much like the ring. It's like, if, if a curse or a grudge can become so powerful, it can murder humans, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, how do you mm -hmm. fight it? And that is going to be an issue that comes up here quite shortly as well. Back at the care center, Alex is wrapping up for the day, goes to leave, and does sort of a double take because out of the corner of his eye, he sees Toshio like in the corner of the stairwell, but he looks back, there's nobody there. Mm, Just then, he's at the top of the stairs. I know, poor Toshio. Alex looks up and he sees what looks like a soaking wet, waterlogged Yoko staggering through the lobby of the care center. Nope. Back and down the stairs. And so he follows her and he slips in what he thinks is water. But she's, he looks, and she's not soaking wet. She's drenched in blood, which is pooling after her as she walks. And he's like, he <sighs> says to her, like, oh, my God, what happened, Yoko? Allison, she turns, and we see her clothes are all torn to shreds. She lifts her face, and Alex screams. Her jaw has been ripped off her skull. Oh, so that was we her found jaw. whose jaw that was. Exactly. Luckily, Solving some mysteries here. <laughs> well, speaking of, Karen finally starts to do her research. And At luckily, last. it's fucking 2004, so you can fucking... Your home is your local library. You can start yes. to really use Google and actually find shit, right? That is really, you know, from a whole... <laughs> like, I feel like people had to write, like, library scenes and movies where it's like, let's go look at a microfiche. It's yes. like, oh, Google exists at this point. Especially for something that happened three years ago. So she's Googling the address and what happened in the house. Of course, there was essentially a family annihilation. A man named um, Takeo uh, killed his wife, uh, Tayako, and their son, Toshio. Okay, so okay. clearly a family has been killed and then himself. 
So in that same paper, literally under the story about the murders, we see Peter Kirk, Bill Pullman, has committed, has died by suicide, right? Yes. It also says he was 51 and his wife was 31. I'm like, all right, okay, calm down. Don't feel like we needed that. Um, at the precinct, um, the detective watches the security tape from Susan's job and he s- sees the fucking ghost. So it's like he, the ghost is recorded to film. But he already, uh, Detective Nakagawa already knew about it because what we find out is like he knows the case. It was only three years ago, right? Yes. Back at home, uh, oh, in, the, in the morning, the, the next morning, Karen writes Doug a note. Had to go out, be home soon, I love you. And she goes to Peter Kirk's apartment to talk to his beautiful, much younger wife, Maria, who is, there must have been an an edited scene because like when you see her in the morning that first time, she's just like normal lady, brown-haired lady. This one, she's wearing a red dress and red lipstick and her hair's done up. So I didn't, I was like, is she like, I'm I'm going on the town and drown my sorrows? Like, why is she, or she's like, I, it's my job. I have to pretend to like, what a perform- I don't even know what it is, but it was such a choice. And then to not have her address why, like your husband died and now you're, you're hot you, and you've become hotter. It's, it's so noticeable. You think it's going to be mentioned. Simply and don't. don't. Simply mm. don't. So uh, Karen talks to uh, Peter Kirk's wife, Maria, and through the intercom. And it's like, can I ask you about your husband? Much like um, spouses in every horror movie, of course, she'll immediately talk to a strange woman asking about her deceased husband. Yes, of course. No, of course. Come on Here's up. some information. Here's, Who are you? Here's all these photos. Like, here's the stuff from school. This is our first date. And I was like, his first date when you were 18 and he was 30, 38. Okay. Ew, yuck. Grow up, Maria. Over in the photos, however, we see Kayako the uh, woman who was murdered, the mother of Toshio, who ostensibly is the long-haired ghost, she's in the background of all of Peter and Maria's photos over and over again, following them, watching them. Alive? Alive, while alive. Yes, while alive. Um, And uh, we see a flashback of Peter Kirk at his office and his colleague's like, wow, you you keep getting letters from the exact same person. It's the same handwriting. And he's like, oh, it's from someone who says she was a former student, but I don't remember her at all. And he has a stack of them, of course. Of course, uh, they're all signed Kayako. Mm-hmm. Peter goes to the home where the letters are dated, right? Or uh, the address. To find yeah. Toshio, he's sort of hanging his arms through the window bars. And Peter asks, is your mother home? And Toshio looks up and we see his face is all scratched up and bleeding. And his knee is soaked through a gauze wrap. And Peter feels bad. And he, again, lets himself inside this house. And he finds Toshio leaning Basically, his arm in a full bathtub, full of black water. The house is a hmm. fucking mess, right? And he says, is your mother home? Are you alone? Well, it looks like the whole place has been torn up, right? We see the cool. the family photo with her face cut out. We hear a cat mewling. Um, okay. Peter looks out in the backyard, and behind him, Toshio opens his mouth and starts yowling like a cat. Okay. Meanwhile... In current day, uh, Karen heads to the police station and chats with um, Detective Nakagawa. She tells him that Kayako knew Peter Kirk, as evidenced by these photos, and that he has just died by suicide. And Nakagawa says, I don't think it was suicide. To which Karen says, what are you talking about? Which I thought was like the best moment of like, yes. okay, so it, so nothing is as it seems? Like, what are you talking? Oh. What does that mean? Got. And then how do you like move through the, like getting yes. that information? You're like, Oh, so nothing right is real. Yes. Like everything I know is 
is wrong. Which is tough. A tough, a That's tough, a tough, tough uh, realization to have to come to. Yeah. So um, he tells her, three years ago, three of my investigators were assigned to the case. Two of them died mysteriously and one disappeared. Um, Not great. He explains to Karen that the memory of what happens, basically he's saying like, there's this concept in Japanese culture that the memory, uh, like if, if somebody dies, like we heard in the beginning, if someone dies in due to rage or like extreme negative feelings, that it sort of can uh, spawn a curse, right? Mm-hmm. And the memory of something like that, it happens, it's sort of a stain. And whoever enters or inter- interacts with that stain, it becomes a part of them. Because she was saying like, well, what the fuck do we do about it? You know, and he says, once you have become a part of it, it will never let you go. I'm sorry. But what, how did they interact? By going to the house. Oh, by going to the house. Which means also Nakagawa has also been essentially infected by this grudge as well. So it's location based. It's location based. Yes. Got it. Of course, um, Nakagawa, he's he's looking at, she leaves distraught. Also, there's having this conversation on the roof of the police station. I thought he was about to jump off the building. Uh, like, I logically. thought that's what was going to, yes. exactly, because that's what happened with Peter Kirk. Like, the only way to sort of escape this is through death. To kill yourself, yeah. But he's looking at, she leaves distraught, obviously, and he's looking at photos of his colleagues, and they're, like, drinking, and, like, clearly they were, like, good friends. And he, he realizes what he has to do. We see him arrive at the house with two big jugs of gasoline, He's going to fucking torch the place, right? Unfortunately, he I mean, only stops idea. when he hears Toshio crying and struggling in the bath. Mm. And he runs over there, even though he knows on some level that he a go- yes. that he's a little he's baby a ghost. ghost. Little baby ghost. And this is where I'm like, I'm just, Big again. ghost hell bath. I've talked about this before. Like, having kids in horror movies, I'm like, I don't want, huh, don't make me see a kid no. be hurt. But no. Um, the, the detective runs to the bathroom to see Toshio face down in the bathtub. And he, so he pulls him out. And luckily, Toshio opens his mouth he, or his eyes. He's a ghost, but he's a live ghost. Uh, you know, he's not like yeah. a dead child ghost. Doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, a figure then shoves Nakagawa's face in the tub and starts drowning him. Meanwhile, Karen returns home. She, she's like, Doug, are you here? Unfortunately, he is not. She goes to their answering machine and Doug has left her a message letting her know that Alex and Yoko were both found dead at the care center. He said, where are you? Did you go to that house? I'm concerned for you. I'm going to come find you if you're in the house. You know, like, I'm going to go to the house. That's where I'm at. So now now Karen's like, oh, so if I got infected by going to the house, Doug's about to become infected. Right? But how do you stop it? Yeah. And she fucking peels out of there. She tries to call. They both try to call in the cell. They can't get through. She books it to the house. And my question to you, Allison, now is, who will survive this film? Who will survive? Hmm. Oh, boy. Who we got left? We got Karen. We got Doug. We, I don't think I need to tell you, we don't got uh, the detective anymore. Detective no, Nakagawa. bye-bye detective. He did his best. That's a wrap. And then um, um, everyone else is a ghost. So really, it's Karen and Doug who are the I only think- non-ghost people left. I think that Doug is going to get to the house and therefore die. Okay. All right. I think Karen will live until the very, very end and then maybe die. Like, it seems like maybe she's escaped it, but she hasn't. Okay, great. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess. 
whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. Hop, hop, hooray! Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? <clears throat> Karen bursts in. She calls out. She hears a man's voice talking on the second floor, assuming that it's Doug. She runs up. But in a very, I thought, artful piece of um, filmmaking, she opens the door and then suddenly it's like you see like daylight and hear birds chirping. And when she reverses, we see what she is seeing, which is sort of like not a hallucination, but like she is seeing the past, right? Okay. Um, and so uh, when she climbs stairs, it's suddenly daytime. And we see that the man talking is Peter. And he's talking to his wife on the phone. And... uh I wasn't clear if he was talking to his wife or he was talking to um, uh, Kayako. But either way, mm-hmm. he's talking to a woman on the phone. And when okay. he looks down, we see that Peter is standing in Toshio's room. And Toshio oh looks up. And no. Peter says something to the effect of, oh, it looks like your mom's going to be home late. Right? Okay. Peter turns to um, Karen as well. But again, like, he can't perceive her. They interact in these ways where it feels like almost like Karen is the ghost in the past, which I thought mm-hmm. was really artful yeah. and interesting. Um, and he sort of, Peter is looking through the house and he opens the door to uh, uh, Takeo, the husband's study, and he finds all these faces of the of his wife, of Tiyako's face cut out dozens of times. And are they're pinned and smeared with blood to the uh, door of the cabinet, the sliding glass door, the sliding door of the cabinet. What we realize is that Takeo has find, found Kayako's journal. And in the journal, she has professed her feelings to Peter. Oh, okay. Here's why you know that this is an American movie, I think. And I, I could check what the original did. Because in this version, she says... I'm in love with someone and he doesn't even know who, who I am. Mm-hmm. This movie only makes sense if they were having an affair. Like, yeah. Right? Like, it's fine if it's like, oh, if she just was, right? Yeah, just being in love with him, like, wouldn't kind of make the logic work yes, for me. I agree. So I was like, okay, we'll figure out, like, she took a class from him. They had an affair. They had an affair. He obviously wanted to end it, yeah. disregard it, whatever. Yes. But just being in love with an unrequited love from a distance, like, that to me doesn't square. Right. But I guess if she, okay, well, all right, here, I'll, I'll try to take, I'll, I'll bring us back around. I Maybe we're to think that because her husband is obviously, she's in a bad marriage, right? Her husband clearly. is clearly so violent, he's going to murder his whole family. So yes. is there something to be said about, like, the re- this journal was sort of an escape? So it's almost like... Mm-hmm. It's this romantic thing that was she was using to cope with this very yes. fucked up domestic situation. Completely. Okay, so then that's even more tragic then because it's like she literally was just pining after this man. Looking for a way out. Yeah. Looking for a way out. So I think that maybe we could see that. And also, God, that's fucking sad. That's sad. Oh, that's Lord. A, that's a bummer. Oh, God. Unfortunately, 
he sees the journal. He sees his name repeated over and over again. It doesn't explain also, like, then how did she know him to begin with? Like, I guess she he, she must have taken some, a class, yeah. I guess. There's some holes, but, yeah. you know, we can let him go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's fair enough. And, unfortunately, he he then opens the cabinet and a swarm of flies billow out. Fabulous. Emanating, of course, from the attic. We see the little, um, uh, what do you call that? The little at panels popped out. He pushes the drop ceiling panel up and Kayako's dead body, stuffed in a plastic bag, topples out. Oh, come on. Peter freaks out, runs. Yeah. And in a moment that like clearly was just like, this is the utility of this we have to do. Instead of right down, running down the stairs, he opens the door right next to the stairs and then like reacts and then slams it as if he thought that that was the stairs. And I'm like, okay, we just had to draw attention to the other door. That's totally fine. And then Peter runs down the stairs and out, right? In this still this um, sort of fugue state, Karen opens that door, that second room, to find Kiyako's husband, Takeo, hanging. And we hear a thud as his, his feet swing and hit and thump against the wall. So after killing his wife, and we sort of see this horrific grainy black and white flashback, we see oh him literally like, beating his wife, driving her like hands and knees down the stairs, like forcing Ugh. her to crawl down the stairs, drowning his son in the bathtub, which is why we keep seeing him in the bathtub. Jesus and then even Christ. murdered the cat. Even the cat's a ghost. Oh, giddy. All after finding her journal and finding out about her unrequited love for this other person. Kieran, meanwhile, is like, oh, fuck, I got to get out of here. Runs downstairs. And at the bottom of the stairs, a hand grabs her foot. She looks down. It's Doug. He doesn't look great. He's had, clearly had some run in, but he's alive. Okay. He's alive. Okay. Okay. Unfortunately, she's trying to pull him For up. Now. Exactly. He's trying to pull her up. And as they watch, um, Kiyako starts crawling down the stairs out of her garbage bag on all fours, covered in blood. <laughs> down the stairs, she the ghost grabs for Doug, and Karen essentially lets him go. Okay. And he looks at her with like a blank betrayal as Kiyako descends on him and her hair sort of covers his face like a curtain. Aww. Karen tries to open the front door. Instead of the outside, it's just Kiyako's head looming in and sort of swooping down <sighs> I don't on like her. A, I don't love a looming head. I'm going to be honest. There's a lot of looming heads. Again, the long, dark hair. Again, she's got a look. She's it's got, look. she's starting a little bit of a look. Uh, Karen runs over to Doug's corpse. It's too late. And she says, fuck it. She kicks over the two gasoline cans um, that Detective Nakagawa has left in the foyer. He, she fucking kicks him over and sparks up her lighter. And Kayako tries to stop her, but it is too late. Karen throws the lighter and the house is ablaze. I'm, uh, part of me is like, thank God. Exactly. Um... Uh, uh, later, another detective stops by the morgue to see Doug's body. And we discover that not only has Karen survived the fire, she has to identify Doug's corpse, which, like, give her a minute. Give her a, a second to regroup. And oh, Karen. And when she goes to lift the sheet, only to have our, Doug's arm flop out and scare her, well, as soon as she readies herself, she realizes that Kiyako's ghost is standing back and back back behind her and she turns and all we see are the ghost's eyes and of course the, the white eyes uh, and we also hear the morgue attendant say 
God, I, I mean, how horrible it defined it, Detective Nakagawa and this other guy dead in there. Well, at least there's one silver lining. At least they were able to stop the fire and save the house. The grudge. Wow. That's a fun end. Yeah. To catch that dialogue. And there are sequels. There are, so, Oh, yeah. cool. We'll have to definitely get into the other grudges. Um, so I guess my question is, Allison, what are some fatal mistakes do you think people may have made in the movie The Grudge? Fatal mistakes. Oh, boy. It's kind of tough because, like, if you're a detective, like, because, like, obviously it's, like, any encounter, any, like, okay, murder, biggest fatal mistake. Absolutely. Um, that guy killing his family is awful. He shouldn't have done that. Agreed. But once that, like, the stain of that murder becomes the house's grudge. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the people who came to the house were not, like, didn't know what was happening. It's not yes, like, I agree. Sometimes people, like, inter- like they go, like, looking for trouble. Like, mm-hmm. yes. oh, this is haunted. We should go check it out. Whereas, yes. like, I think, like, the detectives, it's like, I have to come here and a crime happened. Right. I am, like, obligated by my job to be here. Absolutely. Um, and same with, like, the caretaking. It's like, it's not like they were like, oh, I want to fuck around with this, like, dead family's home. It's like, oh, I'm being deployed to go work in this home or I'm mm-hmm. assigned to this. So I do feel like there is a little bit of, like, oh, like, some people I'm like, you have it coming when you go, like, mess with a curse. But sure. I don't think anybody here was actively trying to get involved with a curse. They just didn't know until it was too late. Absolutely. And I think that... um like, it happens in such a, a short time frame that I think mm-hmm. was very satisfying. Like, yeah, like yeah, it I like that. Took place over weeks or months. Like, some movies we've seen, um, sometimes I think they take a little long a little to get long. to the business. A little long. Um, but this was great. They kept it moving. And this is like, yeah, if this is what we're talking about, if ghosts can do this, they'd be doing it as soon as they could. Of course. And I do like this supposition, which seems to imply is like, the the brutality of the crime is why they are now being like it's like that that horrific um yes domestic situation is now being projected on anyone who would enter it it that to mm-hmm. me makes a sort of a, again a, a dream logic sense like that yes. that is i think like how when we talk about how ghosts don't exist but like people perceive things and mm-hmm. those what they're perceiving is uh i think a horrific crime yeah yeah exactly so it makes sense it's like this is what we think of as ghosts and of course if something and this unfortunately doesn't happen that lot, but it, uh, that happens doesn't happen a lot. But like this kind of stuff does happen. Of course, yeah. it has all these like reverberations for other people in the community, which is yeah. sort of like this is this is that writ large, basically. Yeah, I do think something that makes it very scary is like yes, this is about ghosts and a haunting and a curse, and I, I you know I don't believe in those things, but it all stems from what is a very real thing. Yeah, like it's not like we start with spirits, we end with spirits. It's like, no, this came because a man brutally murdered his family. And like, again, that does happen. And I think that's what makes it so, Mm -hmm. so, that's what makes that haunting, like, not as like, oh God, like they summoned a demon. It's like, no, like this is kind of the the trauma memory come to life. Yeah, the tragedy brought to bear on other people. Yeah. Um, And then finally, where would you put the grudge on the spooky scale, Allison? A spooky scale. I feel like, based on the brutality of the violence, 
the inescapability of the curse mm-hmm. and just like the general visual imagery. I, this is a solid six and a half for me. Okay. Damn. What about you? I'm going to give it a six. That feels right. Um, yeah. I think the, I mean, I, I also think like at the time, this would, I, obviously I've seen, we've seen images from the grudge. We know yeah, yeah, yeah. the hair, the water, the croaking. Yes. So I think give, given that we have already been exposed to that, I think it would have been much, like I think we had to have seen it at the time, much like the ring, like blows you out of the fucking water. Now at this point you see yeah. the ring, it's like, oh yeah, I've seen the long haired girl a million times. Yes, I yes. know this. Um, I really liked it. And I really think, um, all the acting was good. It was really well directed. And there is something hideous and terrifying about like the that kind of explosive domestic violence. Again, living mm-hmm. in America, yeah. unfortunately, that kind of thing yes. does happen An here. Possible, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh not that it I'm just saying it's like it's not a Japanese thing. <laughs> I mean, to yes. have this no, kind of thing. I just feel like it feels like a listen, very American thing. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And so I think, and there's something, again, like, I I really have, I'm having harder and harder the older I get, the harder time ha- seeing children in horror movies. When a children is involved, yeah. Uh, but in terms of being scary and fucked up, I mean, you know, a, a full six, absolutely. I'm sure yeah. most people have seen this movie already, but if you haven't, eh, and you can watch it, uh, knock yourself out. If you're, if this doesn't sound like your cup of tea, don't, don't watch it. Because there yeah. are definitely moments where you're like, oh boy, your yeah. jaw got yeah. ripped off. There's blood yeah. on the ground, you know. This feels like a tough one. Yeah. But a good one. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, you guys. Um, yes. We I love hope you're you very enjoy- much. Enjoying our season's ghoulings. And um, yeah, I think, again, as a theme, does it make a ton of sense? Is it really pulled together? No, but that's just where we're at. That's our. This is our season. And yeah. our season is season's ghoulings. I and like we it. appreciate you bearing with us uh, during these trying times, which it's are nice all the broad- time catch-all i think like yes i think Mm -hmm. it makes sense yeah no notes from me part one of the members of the podcast (laughs) thank you that means a lot um all right everyone uh we love you very much and uh as always we will see you next week yes and please keep it It spooky (laughs) yeah you can wrap this up okay Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find?